Hello and welcome to episode three of my new podcast, The Wash. Um, I debated previously whether I could still call it a new podcast, given that it's three episodes in. And then I thought that when does that sort of moniker expire? When is it no longer a new podcast? And I came to the conclusion that it's probably after about 10 episodes. Um, I've only been sat down in this seat for about 15 minutes <laughs> because I started the bloody episode twice and made two fatal flaws. One of them was that I was just looking at myself on the screen, not looking at the camera. So I was talking at myself. And I realized four minutes in, having ranted for four minutes and developed a bit of a flow, which it's brutal and it's not nice. And, you know, it's the type of thing that ordinarily would make me go, ah, fuck this, I'm not doing this today. But I've got to do it because I've already postponed it enough. I've just got to run with it. Um, as you can see, this furry thing down here that's my microphone. Um, I'm a div because I left it in shot initially and then I could have taken it out when I had to start re-recording again, but I just, I can't, I can't be bothered. Uh, same applies to the light situation. Uh, I messed around with sort of formation uh, setting where I was for about 15 minutes. I put my chair here, hopped over there, hopped back over here for some reason the lighting in the UK has started to change. I think they call it something like uh, seasons or something like that. But who knows, within a few years, we'll no longer really know what a season is, I think. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's me moaning out of the way. Um, I'm here and I'm about to hop into my new podcast. I'm just trying to think any last things I want to cover Sorry for the fact that this isn't going to go out on the same day as last week, which last week I think was Tuesday. It should be going out on Tuesday again this week, but it's not. Uh, whatever day it is, I hope you've had a good day and I'll try and be more consistent in the future. But for now, let's jump into episode three of The Wash. Yeah, episode three. Um, so the title of this episode is called Going the Pictures or Going the pictures because uh, I'm cool and I like to leave letters off the end of things um, and it's called that because I'm going to be talking about films and when I was younger I think it was a sort of family thing that rather than saying let's go to the cinemas or let's go to see a film or whatever it would be let's should we go to the pictures um, I don't know whether that's a northern thing or what uh, growing up on Merseyside that was where sort of that phrase was used in my life. Um, but I just like it. I think it's nice um, going the pictures. It's I'm, I'm a bit nostalgic for that phrase and also nostalgic for going to the cinemas when I was younger. Um, because over the course of my life, going to the cinema to watch a film has had uh, peaks and troughs. It's not been a consistent thing that I've done. But when I have done it, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, that being said, I think maybe only one of the films that I'm going to talk about today was watched in the cinemas. So I need to change that, of course. Um, but obviously that's that's financially controlled as well. You know, it's a lot of money now to go to the cinemas. Like 
11 quid, I think it is, for a single ticket. You can get a Cineworld Unlimited card, but then you only get value out of that if you go three times a month, it is. And the good films come out three times a month, at least good films that Cineworld are going to show. I don't, I don't quite know whether they do. If it was like a maybe a more national cinema card that included some independent cinemas, then it'd be a different story because there are certain releases that seem to be only in independent cinemas. Like, I don't know. I want to go and see The Lighthouse soon. Uh, the, I think it's Robert Eggers' film with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Is it Robert Eggers? Or have, have I just sort of applied Robert Pattinson? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but I'm not sure if Cineworld are going to show it. And I only really have a Cineworld around the corner from me. So might have to venture out. And that's a, that's a bit of a pain in the arse. And I'm, I'm a bit lazy. So, so yeah, uh, I've watched five films this month. And my love for sort of cinema and films has take, ha, take the, it has spiked it's spiked let's just say that um and it spiked all of a sudden and i was trying to think about why it had and i think the conclusion that i came to was that at some points in your life you know you get to do a lot of things you get to go to a lot of places you have a decent amount of money not saying that money is the only way you can do things but it helps um and life's exciting and you go on trips and you do things like you climb mountains or you go on hikes or you maybe enter competitions and things like that you go to a lot of groups uh, you have hobbies and all this that is life sometimes probably not even 50% of the time i'd say like unless you're like really outgoing i think life so far it seems from my analysis seems to be like maybe 25% of the time you're doing all these exciting things. And then 75% of the time it's, it's kind of, it's kind of just like it's life, you know, it's, it's going to work. It's getting up in the morning. It's getting into the shower, not knowing who you are or where you are. Cause you're that tired. Um, it's coming home, cooking a relatively boring dinner. <laughs> Pain in my life to be, dead shit um but yeah it's not always fantastic and and adventurous and all this and in those periods of time that's when things like movies and series become really important and books as well for me uh, i hope that you know there are a lot of people that have that relationship with books but for most people it's it's movies and its series. Um, just look at the rise of Netflix. And I mean, if you asked, if you took like a general survey of the, of the population and said like, do you go home and watch Netflix every night? Um, probably talking a specific age here, because I think some people still watch that TV thing, like with channels and stuff, whatever that is. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the vast majority of people would say, yeah, like I, I do, I go home and I, I I Netflix and chill. I hate that phrase. Um, I go home and I watch Netflix or I watch some on Amazon Prime or maybe there's a couple of others like Now TV. Um, 
specific movies, movie ones, I think like a uh, movie. Um, but yeah, so it, it's really common. And in those times when life isn't super exciting, you can find excitement in films and in books and in TV shows. And that's why films, <laughs> that's why films have kind of, you know, gained a bit of traction in my life. Because right now I'm, I'm living on the dull side of the coin. I'm in a state of sort of hunkering down in my cabin and saving money and try not to eat too extravagantly, try not to spend money on too much and just conserving energy, I guess for the more exciting times. And movies have been a real light in the dark for me, just allow me to experience things that I wouldn't or couldn't otherwise experience now because sometimes you simply can't, like sometimes finances don't allow, sometimes you just need to be content and happy with the fact that you have a roof over your head, which I am, and people to love. Uh, so yeah, that, that long-winded just... I don't know, a verbal diarrhea of a speech is basically why I'm making this episode on the five movies that I had watched uh, this year at the point when I wrote the script. I've now watched a few more, but yeah, so maybe the five movies that I watched in January, something like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, without further ado, let's just get stuck into the list. One more quick note, actually. Uh, it's dead funny because I do script these, um, or I have been scripting them thus far. And I write and like jokes into the script and stuff. But actually, when it comes to it, like I just I, I don't do them because it almost feels wrong to just redo a joke, which is ironic because like I wanted to be an actor for like a large portion of my life, but I really struggle with that. It's not it's not a fakeness, but it's that sort of rehearsedness. Um, but yeah, I, I said I'd get stuck in, but one more point. One thing I've not quite sort of developed yet or really come to understand the best way of working this is how to balance the writing of a script uh, with the like performing of a podcast because I don't just want to write a script and then learn it verbatim and then just talk it to you. I want to interact with how I'm feeling now. I, I want to use the feelings that are in me at the moment. I want to be able to improvise. I want to be able to talk freely rather than just kind of going, this film is great. I, I like this film because I saw it. And you know what I mean? I want it to feel natural because uh, I think that's a little bit more interesting. But it's also difficult when I've had a little bit too much caffeine in the day. Um, yeah, but... That's it. No more, no more sort of side ventures. Let's just go. Number one, I watched Jojo Rabbit in the cinema uh, right at the beginning of the year. I think maybe the 2nd of January, something like that. Probably unusually for me, before a lot of the critical reception had come out. Um, and that is unusual because... I do base whether I go and see films on reviews and stuff. Um, I don't whether that's a bad thing or a good thing. 
it's ultimately for me a time thing because I don't want to go and waste two hours of my life watching a film that's shit that someone has said is shit and could have told me before I went. Someone could have saved me. By the same token, I might be missing out on films that certain critics don't get but would have rang really true with me. Jojo Rabbit features a little lad who's growing up around the time of the Second World War um, and he's that much of a Nazi fanatic that he's in the Hitler Youth and also his imaginary, fr Im imagine imaginary friend is, you know, one knobhead himself, Adolf Hitler, played by Taika Waititi, who also directed the film. Um, it's essentially a comedy, I think, with some dramatic aspects. The main lad who plays Jojo does great, I think. I think he was he was really good. Um, I'm a little bit picky sometimes with child actors. <laughs> Sounds really harsh, but... They can really piss me off. I don't know why. I think maybe, you know, other people are like that. Um, hopefully it's not just me hating on kids. Um, but yeah, and, and so when there is a good child actor, it almost like is like extra special for me. Um, and he does, he, he does a really good job because he plays the main role in the film. He carries it. He doesn't carry it. Um, but also uh, his mate in the film... Uh, another little fellow with glasses is really good and really funny. He plays like the comic relief with these sort of little lines here and there. Um, he could be a great character actor going forward in his life. Um, although I hope obviously he can, you know, achieve more than that as well. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he was really good. Um, Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett Johansson, as she likes to be called, uh, was good as the mother but I think, all in all, the best uh, actress in the whole film was, I think her name is, let's see, Roman Griffin Davis. And she basically plays a uh, Jewish girl that Jojo's mother is sort of concealing from the Nazis. And she's really good. Um, she probably carries the film's dramatic and more emotional parts. She's the glue to that um and I was really impressed with her I'm not sure how old she is she's probably like 15 16 so it's it's a really mature performance generally I thought the film was good um it was it was funny in parts and it was pretty poignant as well and there's been some weird chat around the suggestion that you know aspects of it are in bad taste and it didn't quite crack the comedic element well enough or or it wasn't respectful enough with regard to its topic matter but you know i i think it was i personally think it was perfectly respectful um there were others in a more knowledgeable position or closer to the the core topic of the film that might think differently so i can't i can't go too far with my opinion on that but from the outside it, it seemed it didn't it seemed pretty respectful. Um, my only problem, my only problem with it was that I really, I really liked the idea for the film. Uh, you know, Hitler being this kid's best friend and stuff. And the trailer was good, and and there were some funny lines in it and that. But 
and I say that I say this sort of with regret because I really like Taika Waititi, but I just I just don't I didn't find the imaginary Hitler funny enough. Just some of the lines. I don't know whether that's because he was tiptoeing on eggshells a bit, and he felt like there were certain things that he couldn't say, but it just didn't quite get there for me. Um, but then you know, films aren't necessarily for everyone, and it's gotten a pretty. There's been it's got like a mixed uh, a mixed reception. There's been some people that have been like, nah, it's it's not right. It's not a good film, and it's insensitive. And then on the other hand, you've got other people who are saying that it really really touched them so um i'm not doing i'm not doing stars i'm not doing i'm answering like the voice in my brain was like should we do a star rating jack uh i'm not doing stars but if i did i would say it was like a four star film like a 7.5 out of 10 like a good a good film but didn't blow me away um so yeah that's that it's definitely worth watching though if you want to nip into maybe just get into the cinemas to see it might be about done its run now but um if you can definitely watch it um yeah so that was jojo rabbit next up mid summer uh mid summer mid summer was less of a film and more for me of a full body experience uh it just it twisted my organs about and shook me up and just I, I i was really immersed in it i didn't get to see it in the cinema um because i'm a bit of a scaredy cat and i wouldn't go to the cinema to watch what i thought was a horror film um but yeah so it, it really it really did it affected me physically more than mentally like i didn't i didn't come out of it going to myself oh yes that's, you know, that idea was really something uh, that really provoked thought in me and and i'm going to consider this for a while i feel like i'm taking the piss out of myself there because that's what i like to do but yeah it was more of a bodily visceral experience than it was a mental one which there's nothing wrong with whatsoever um the general plot of midsummer is like a girl has some kind of familial difficulty and not too long after it goes on a trip with her boyfriend and her mates and with the intention of going to this bizarre Swedish festival, uh, Midsummer Festival, in the middle of nowhere and everything unfolds a little bit disturbingly from there. I'm not going to say more than that, Like I I'm just not... I toyed with, should I be doing descriptions when I'm talking about films? You know, because that's what professional uh, film critics do. But by the time I'm talking about them, you already kind of know what they're about. So it's not like I need to go, ah, so what this film is about is this, and then review it. So forget it. Re read about it yourself if you want to, or just go in blind and be shocked. <laughs> um, so yeah, and... I loved it, like I really did. I thought it was a brilliant film. I thought, I don't know why, but I got into my head that maybe it didn't get that great a reception when it came out last year, but I think it did. Rather than that it didn't get a great reception, I think that when I saw the trailer for it, I thought this is gonna be like, get an amazing reception. Um, and the fact, I, I think the general thing was that it was a very good film, but not an amazing one. Might be making that up. Might just be chatting shit. 
because that's what I usually do. Uh, but yeah, so I, I felt it in my gut, this film. Uh, all the way through, just felt it in my gut. I had my mouth open at times and like all the way through the film, like I felt like individual organs were kind of giving their opinion on what was happening. Like my stomach was like, oh, fucking hell, Jack, what are you guys watching here, mate? And my heart was just going, boof, 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 boof. Um, so <laughs> the, lo the longer I record this podcast, I am like, yeah, probably, probably didn't need to have that extra tea before you started recording because I'm just like erratic and like making noises and saying things and doing impressions that I wouldn't ordinarily do uh, but power to the caffeine hey what else about Midsummer? Florence Pugh is just like she's she is special I think she's a special actress to be honest um she is she's dead good she's brilliant in this film with an American accent that didn't do my head in, which is good because I'm always a bit, I, I can't think too clearly on English people doing an Amer American accents and whether I have a problem with it. Definitely the other way around is always a bit squeaky uh, and people doing Russian accents and stuff, especially bad guys in films. It just it often feels like just, you know, just get some Russian people like don't do it because I've done a Russian accent before and like really, really tried and done quite a bit of research and stuff. And actually in the end, it, it still was a little bit like, oh, this is this is just a, an English guy doing a Russian accent. Uh, Florence Pugh had me convinced of her character. Best, best performance in the film. Um, and she was just... I guess quite entrancing and everything I've seen Florence Pugh in I've been like impressed I've I've thought this is someone that could go on to create a bit of a legacy for herself um and have a really long career uh like I said so far everything she's done I've enjoyed so long may it continue to sum up with Midsummer, I, I didn't expect myself to like it as much as I did um I did so I guess thanks goes to the director Ariasta and I'll probably check out some of his other weirdo movies like that hereditary um one day in the middle of the day when it's bright and I'm not scared so I don't have to hide behind my couch and that will put us on film number three which is the farewell in the farewell Aquafina plays a young Chinese woman who's moved to America I think she moved as a kid but goes back to China for a while to spend time with a sickening relative. I actually think that Aquafine is great in the film. She's yeah, she's the she's the protagonist in a sense. Um and she is really good, which I'm willing to give her despite the fact that her name like irrationally just pisses me off. It grinds my gears. I'm not going to dive into this one too much. What I will say is that I enjoyed it. It's a it's a solid film. It got really good reviews I think when it came out. I I thought it it was a it was a good piece of film. I wasn't blown away by it or anything. It does it does provoke some interesting questions about cultural differences and I guess mostly about how we're very quick and eager and okay with it accepting particular 
cultural situations or traditions within our own culture, but also very quick to question the differences in other people's cultures without without kind of questioning the underlying ethics. Like we never really dive deeply into why we do certain things and why, say, people in the eastern part of the world do things a little differently. All in all, it's a strong film and it actually managed to move me to a couple of teardrops in its latter stages. So definitely worth a watch, uh, The Farewell. By the way, if you notice that my head like sometimes jolts about in the middle of talking, it's because I am currently having to edit and make cuts to the video, which sort of simultaneously means cuts to the audio because I'm not super fluent with my talking. It's, this is quite hard. It's quite nerve-wracking at parts. Um, and I'm prone to touching my hair, uh, especially if like I see a bit sticking up, I'll it over. Um, so yeah, my head doesn't change in shape or anything. It's just that I touch my hair a lot. I mean, you should see me when I have a long beard. It's just like constant twiddling and it to the point where it does my own head in like I have to shave my beard after about two weeks growth because I just have twisted it into knots like absolute knots knots that could hold boats into harbors and stuff they're that strong um and I've, I've got quite a puby beard it's quite <laughs> why am I saying this why am I saying this should be trying to sell myself not like tell everyone that I've got pubes on my face uh, let's move on to what I guess would be my favourite two films that I've watched recently overall. Definitely out of these five, all five are good films. These two stood out. And I'm going to start with Parasite. Uh, Parasite is a South Korean film, which you can watch with English subtitles, of course. And I think that when a film is subtitled, when it's naturally in a different language and you do have to watch it with subtitles, to get on the playlist of, you know, the films you choose to watch, I feel like it, for me at least, and probably for a lot of people, has to pass a higher standard or, you know, have more acclaim to it because there's a laziness uh, in our society now, uh, this damned society, where people often watch films with their phone out and they're scrolling at the same time. I feel like, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm damning a whole generation, but I feel like maybe the generations that have risen to adolescence recently don't know what it is to watch a film without having their phone in front of them or watch a series without having their phone in front of them. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting on a high horse because I've done it myself and I do do it myself irrationally because whenever I do it whenever I watch something on my phone at the same time I don't enjoy either and the time just goes like that and I wonder what I was doing what just happened in that episode of say Always Sunny in Philadelphia where where or why there's such a big plot hole in the movie and it's because the plot hole was created by myself with my distraction so yes yeah, subtitles Subtitle films, subtitled films, need to have quite a lot of good reception for me to consider watching them. Um, and the other aspect of laziness is that it's quite hard work to read. It does require like 
constant focus because you could miss like a pivotal line, say at the beginning of the film where someone says uh, something really important, let's just say, and later on in the film, a twist happens and you're like, hold on, like why, why is that happening? But if you go back and check, it's because you missed a really important part. Uh, whereas if you, if it's not subtitled, you can hear it. Um, yeah, you get the picture. So in this in this distracted age, I do think almost forced attention is quite a good thing. It's something that I also like with the new features of, say, Instagram and and Snapchat. And I think Snapchat was the original originator of this feature. But stories, I mean, Snapchat is based on the fact that you have a picture or a clip or whatever that's time sensitive it disappears and that does force your attention because if you don't give it your attention it's going to be gone and you'll have missed it uh, stories are the same like yes you can re-watch a story on instagram but if i put writing on instagram on on an instagram story the time limit almost like it forces you to read it it's a, it's a bizarre thing but i i do think it works and i do think there's there's something in it to be uh, to be utilised, uh, and it does get utilised, let's face it, with ads and stuff nowadays. Uh, forced attention is a good thing, and it meant that I watched Parasite with a, a high level of focus. Parasite took me on a ride. Um, <laughs> it did, it, it really it really took me on something of a journey. I laughed, I gasped, uh, I tensed up at points, um, and it also supplied me with some questions to ask of myself and you know the society around me um by the end of the film i was i was fully satisfied with the ending if not a little bit sad but i wasn't sad so much about the ending as i was sad about the topic matter of the film and how accurate it was um the film i would say the film owns in or lasers in on the topic of class, albeit in a very bizarre way. Uh, it starts, oh, it's, it's such a good film. Like I, I didn't realise, I really enjoyed it at the time, but then recently, sometimes this happens where you watch a film and you think, that's, that was great, that was a great film. And a few weeks later, or maybe a couple of months later, you hear about that film, that film's brought back to your attention somehow. And you have like a little moment of like, yeah, that was that was a really, really good film. And this happened with Parasite. I watched it a few weeks ago and I sort of got reminded of it the other day. And it just made me feel like it, it gave me a bit of joy in the moment somehow. And I thought to myself, you know, what? I would I would fully sit down, pop Parasite on and watch it again. And I, I don't watch films again. I don't. The only films or only film that I've watched repeatedly it's like goodwill hunting and that's like that's like my rom-com of a movie uh if you know what i mean that's the film that i go to when i'm feeling shit because matt damon like overcomes things and st uh fantastic film goodwill hunting but so is parasite in terms of its focus on social class it's it, it's kind of like a reminder of the vast chasm of social class uh, or the vast chasm between social classes in South Korea, specifically in this film, but also actually looking further than that in most 
I don't know if, if developed is the right word anymore, but in most uh, even economically secure countries, uh, our country included. Um, and it was it was quite sad because it does feel quite representative of the situation that we're in now. Um, I'm not going to get political on this, but it does feel like the, the gaps between the the upper class or, or the wealthy class and everyone else are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like even just between the wealthy class and what you would consider the middle class, like it just feels like a, an absolute grand canyon of a gap. Um, but then going all the way down to people who are really struggling, like it is... It is really, really upsetting. And I think maybe what what worked with Parasite is I think maybe the, the class the the class differences were represented visually as well as uh philosophically because you've got this family that are living right down in a basement at the bottom of the city, uh, where you get people piss, pissing on their on their house and stuff. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, the other family that this uh, working class family interact with are right up on a hill. And that's, I know that, that sounds like simplistic, but it does help maybe one of the problems that we have in our country is that the differences aren't so obvious. I mean, the biggest difference that you see every day is the problem with homelessness, but say other problems where the struggles of people who, yes, have a home, but are also really struggling are not as inherently obvious. And that's why it's easier to look the other way and kind of being like, I don't see a problem. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of finishes that up. I'll, I'll just finish by saying like, just watch this movie if you can, even if you're not into films, international films, I think this movie is, I think it's sort of touted to win uh, like a couple of awards in the award season. We're right in the middle of that and I don't know much about it. So I can't offer more on that, but I think it would probably win an Oscar. Uh, just go just go fucking watch it, man. Finally, uh, a special one, but a special one for a weird reason. Uh, this final film is Moonlight. And where to begin with this film? I wanted to watch this film since it came out, Moonlight. Uh, because it looked great. It had Mahershala Ali in it, whose name I've worked really hard to pronounce right. Um, it, I think it won quite a few awards. And all in all, it, it just read must watch. But then we just didn't watch it. And this went on for a while. Like Whenever we chose a film to watch, even though that film was easily accessible and it was there waiting to be watched, it just it sat there like a toy in Toy Story waiting in the, in the cupboard to be played with. Um, and we just left it there. And it basically went on for, for like three years. And I wonder whether maybe that's because of its reception. Like it was touted of fantastic, but I think it was also uh, described as a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And some nights when you think, oh, should we watch a film tonight? You, you think to yourself... Let's watch something light. I mean, I don't. I, whenever I look for a comedy movie now, I cannot, for the life of me, find good ones. And maybe that's just me being ignorant. 
But if anyone has any good comedy film suggestions, fire them my way because it's really it's really starting to get to me. Because I used to love comedy films. Maybe they were just never that good in the first place, and now I'm just more aware of their flaws. I don't know. I miss the days of good comedy movies, like uh, the nostalgic bastard that I am. But yeah, Moonlight, we just kept putting it off and off and off. Finally, last week, we pulled it out of the toy cupboard and it came to life in front of our eyes. What was great as well was that I think the expectation of it, because we knew it was supposed to be really good, the expectation of it had died down a bit so that we actually, when it came around to it, were really surprised by how truly brilliant it was. I loved the structure of Moonlight. There were some like beautiful shots, but like most of all, like the acting was fantastic. And that's always a big thing for me. It always has been. Um, another thing I loved was that it was relatively simple. It wasn't, it wasn't overly wordy to the point where because of this, lines carried more weight you know words do carry more weight when you don't use as many of them which is why perhaps this particular podcast episode might not carry much weight because of my erratic verbal diarrhea the lines were only there when they needed to be there um, which made a big difference and there was one line in particular and if you have watched the film or you watch the film after my recommendation, which would be a great honour for someone to take my advice and watch this, uh, you'll notice this particular line and it just like, it, it floored me. It absolutely floored me. It it, le it left me breathless, really. And that sounds a bit overdramatic because I'm just watching something on a screen. But movies do have the power to do that to you. And as I say, this particular line just hit me hard, like like a punch in the face. In the end, finally getting round to watching Moonlight, it was everything that I hoped that it was going to be. It was it was sad. I will say that it was sad. It wasn't sad on the surface level. Like I didn't shed any tears, which I kind of expected to. Like I'm quite a sensitive person, and I do do that. Um, but. It was like a sadness on a sort of a, a subcutaneous level, like under the skin, under the surface, like just this this pressure building up. And ultimately, it just left me deeply grateful for having someone that loves me, um, people that love me, and also the opportunity to give my love to other people. The struggle of Chiron in the film is not, one that my lifetime has known or will ever know. And what and what the film did was it basically opened my eyes to the pain of someone else's situation and allowed me a window into their pain and even to feel some of their pain. And at the end of the film, I came out with an understanding of something that for a long time has been foreign to me. And I really appreciate that. I think it's going to be something that helps me empathise a bit better with people going forward. Mark Commode, who I absolutely love, uh, he's a film critic and he's always quoting Roger Ebert, I think his name is, who said that cinema is like a machine that generates empathy. And that's exactly what Moonlight did. It, it, that's exactly what Moonlight did.
And if you haven't watched Moonlight, just go watch it, enjoy it, get sad at it, cry if you want. Feel someone else's pain, know what it's like to be in someone else's situation. Uh, for many of us, a situation that we won't experience. But that's everyone's life, isn't it? You know, we all live such individual existences. We all go through such individual traumas and terrors and joys and wonders and and sort of relationships and loves and all sorts of experiences in our lives and no one can ever feel the exact same thing that we do but if everyone just had a little bit of a better understanding of what others are going through then we'd all get along just a little bit better um and I guess I'll leave it on that note. Watch all of these films. They're all good. I'm never going to talk about a film that's really crap because I just I can't be asked. I don't have time in my life to do that. So from the top, it was Jojo Rabbit. It was it's going to be in the wrong order now because I can't remember. Uh, it was The Farewell. It was Parasite. It was Moonlight. And what's the other one? Maybe don't go watch this one because I can't remember what it was. Um, let's sorry, I'm gonna have to look on the screen. Midsummer, Midsummer, Midsummer is really good. Perhaps I didn't remember that because I don't consider it a film. I consider that I actually went to this festival and watched all of this bizarre horror unfold in front of my eyes. Um, yeah, so just go watch them all. I really hope you've liked this episode of the podcast. I'm going to do some more film stuff from now on, some media stuff, some films, some books, because um, I've really enjoyed watching films lately. Sorry for being erratic. Like I said, a coffee, a chai, and a half, a tea. It's too much for me to handle. Uh, I've got a very sensitive brain and body, so too much caffeine just makes me bounce off the bloody walls. Uh, yeah, that's been episode three of The Wash, and I'll be back next week hopefully on cue on the same day, let's say Tuesday, maybe, hopefully, don't know. See you soon. Bye-bye.